This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. Hi, sir. Is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends, and thanks for joining us here in Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show to the original series. My name is Drew, or Landru, and this is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hey, what's up? And today we're joined by half of To the Journey. I don't to know if journey. you're to the, to the journey. journey. To the Journey. <laughs> <laughs> that was the worst ever, but we're leaving it as it is. I'm not going to sync it up like I did another time no that's the way it's gonna be so be anyway it. it's charlene hey how's it going guys thanks for joining us thanks for having me yeah yeah we we figured we'd continue our series on tos in the other series because really it, it seems to be the only show that really crosses over multiple times it really is it's got a little taste of uh everything doesn't well, voyager it? voyager goes to next gen and ds9 Oh, yeah, I guess Riker shows up in Q a lot. Yeah, I guess yeah, there's some, yeah, there, a bunch of TNG in Voyager. There is, but as far as TOS goes, I mean, I guess since it's the first one, it's got the most reach. It got the party started. It's entitled. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It is entitled. Yep. <laughs> yes. And unfortunately, Voyager, I think, got the least amount of love, did it not? Because we're talking flashback today. I suppose we ought to establish that much. We should, we should, yes, we should say that. <laughs> By the way, guys, this is what we're doing. I, kn- I know it was in the subtitle of what you downloaded, but you may not have read it. You may just push play right on our podcast. Some people right? just don't read. They're just so excited. They just, yeah, let's go. Oh, let's hear really this. hard in those descriptions. Spoilers, <laughs> I though, know, you know, I, mean, I who know. Who wants to read the descriptions? Do you people not understand <laughs> how long it takes us to write those sometimes? That's actually really true. You know, if if, if we if we found out that no one reads them, I'd be like, okay, uh, Flashback. Remember when we had That's chapter it. images that nobody knew was there? Yeah. Back I in the day. I worked really hard on those. Yeah. We all did. We all did. And then Apple dropped that whole thing. And so that was the end of that, if in case you were ever wondering. Yeah, blame Apple. First their fault. That, they the brought pencil. it out, and then they took it away. Yeah. <laughs> Jerks. Did you just blame Apple for the pencil? <laughs> I, I was just saying. I mean, it seems to be what everyone's complaining about these days, right? You that's, know? that's silly. Yeah. So the yeah, flashback. Yeah, flashback. Yeah, flashback. Yes. Yeah, it, the the shows that were on got their their thirtieth anniversary shows on, and you know, like Deep Space Nine got to actually travel back to the original series and and actually inserted themselves into the actual film and rebuilt sets and rebuilt models and everything. And Voyager kind of got well. I mean, I guess they rebuilt the Excelsior set and they brought did. George Takei in and. Yeah, well, the thing is, is I didn't know that they did that for the longest time. I thought they just put the set back together as if they still had it. Because Star Trek VI was only a few years ago at that point. So I thought, in theory, okay, they probably still had it. But no, they actually did have to put everything, their heart and souls, into recreating this set. And I feel like they did a remarkable job, especially on a TV budget. It looks just as good as it did in the movie, if you ask me. 
Mike, they used. Uh, I noticed that they were really proud about the the three sixty uh, bridge that they built. What kind of lens did they use? Because there was a couple shots like when Janeway's like staring at the screen from a point blank space, taking advantage of the fact that no one can see her. Like there was a there was like a spherical lens or something like a wide angle lens, I guess is all it was that showed the whole bridge from right that from that angle. Probably. I mean, I think generally speaking, like any time you go to one of these exhibits or something and you take a look at the bridge, like like when they had uh, the, the next gen bridge, you know, kind of at, uh, at at Vegas a few years back or whatever. And you go there and you're like, wow, this is small, you know, mm-hmm. as like this. There's not a lot of space here at all. And what they do to make it look bigger is they shoot it with a, a short lens, you know, a wide angle lens. And that makes everything look bigger, you know. And uh, so I'm sure that that's what they were using here. You know, I mean, I, I'm I'm guessing they use a lot of short lenses on on Star Trek in general. So yeah, that's probably probably what it was. It was spherical though, just like <laughs> Star Trek Six. So <laughs> so hey, hey continuity. continuity, yeah, continuity. <laughs> they were really, really, really trying to recapture the essence of Star Trek Six. Going and and they managed to do it. They managed to bring back like every single bridge crew member. I was impressed yeah. by that. I really was. Including the ones who didn't die in the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But die in this episode for some reason. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> I don't know. We don't really know what happened to the guys, so I'm willing to forgive that. But for, for, for Tuvok to be as traumatized as he was, right? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of And then for him to be in the last shot of the Excelsior when everybody's standing around like, you did good, Captain Kirk. Is oh, he in that, that last shot or he not? Yes, he is. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, oh. Oh, wait so, a minute. So, so okay, the, wait. Did I they like pull the a weekend theories... at Bernie's or something? Like, they just hold him up there, know. you know? He's okay. Well, it's cool. My my favorite uh, bit of fan retconning is that uh, he had a twin brother. <laughs> oh. There you go. Well, it would make sense. Oh, no, no. Mm. That was the, the other guy who had the really, really bad accent in this, but it, it just. He's normal... actually Russian. I read that today. That, really? That they like actually. He'd come over from Russia. They cast him in that one thing. He had no idea what Star Trek was. And so five years later, he realized what a big part, not a big part that he played, but that he was part of something big. And so he's really excited to be called back. But so like he, that's his actual accent. So so he huh. so the first time he's like whatever I'm just gonna be as American Acting. as I can. Yeah. And right. then the second time he's like I'm Russian. Chekhov was Russian. Why yeah. can't I be Russian? Yeah. I'm actually what, Russian. Whatever it was, it sounded absolutely nothing like how he sounded the first time around. <laughs> Not really. No. Which is weird. I just thought maybe yeah. we're getting to know this character a little bit more because he had a few more lines. Perhaps, yeah. Yeah, everybody, everybody. We got to know everybody except for Christian Slater. Which I we was disappointed about. We got to know everybody about. on Excelsior uh, a yeah. little bit better. Okay, I know DS9's Trials and Tribulations was superb in every way, and that, in my opinion, is the better of the two 30th anniversary episodes. But if they could have pulled out all the stops and gotten Christian Slater, you think that might have swayed a few more opinions about which episode is better? Like maybe if Christian Slater had been the one to give Tuvok that disease. Oh, that would have been Ooh. awesome. And then yeah. he wouldn't have the continuity error of Dimitri dying. Truth. Hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, because I don't think Christian Slater the... was on the bridge. Right. And then it's it's not like there's any 
uh, they don't mention that they tried to get him in any of the background stuff. I wonder if Brandon had that thought and then like pushed it away. I don't know. You ought to ask him on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Brandon Braga, did you originally want Christian Slater flashback? Do it. Do what? it. I'm serious. No. I'll totally do that. Why oh, not? Please right? do. You never know. He might reply. He does reply to mm-hmm. people. And that's a very original question. I have never seen anybody ask any of the writers for that matter, do not it, just Mike. Brandon. Yeah, I'm, do it. I'm doing it right now. Maybe All th- right. This, w- this wouldn't be the first time that we've asked him a question on Twitter and, and gotten a response <laughs> by the end of the episode. So you never know, right? You never right. know. This could happen and live on the podcast. you, the listener, will know what time we recorded. <laughs> there you go. You can go back and see exactly when this happened. So you mentioned that that Trials is a better episode, and you're absolutely right, and Brandon even agrees with you. (laughs) Fair enough. I'm not going to argue with the guy. I like his little statement that it said on Memory Alpha. It's like, you know, they uh, it's a better episode, and they had the better idea, which I agree with 100%. I am not sold on the, how do we get them back without doing a time, you know, time warp or whatever. It could just be in Tuvok's memories. Exactly. But how do we get other characters in there so it's not just Tuvok? Uh, mind meld. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like they came up with the idea and then it's like and then we, how do we do this? Uh, this mm-hmm. and then okay, well how does that work? Uh, this. I have a feeling that happens way more than we realize. I mean, it is kind of a writers' room thing, you know, the uh kind of an improv kind of thing. A yes, and that kind of thing. Yeah, or in, if they just have to tech it. That's what they do. What doesn't make any sense. Well, none of it makes any sense. But what really doesn't make any sense and really doesn't need to be in the episode at all, except to get Janeway into a a monster maroon, is all of a sudden his memories can see her. And it's not a self-defense of the virus. It's something about, well, the mind meld's breaking down. So now my memories can see you. It's like, no, that doesn't make... It should be surprising to Tuvok, too. It shouldn't be just like, oh, yeah, it's just, you know, this is what happens. My memories can see you now, which means you're changing. Well, you're not changing history. You're changing my memories of history, but I know what the memories are. And then the memories are interacting with the within each other in Tuvok's brain. Right. So they had to take memory Rand's clothes off and put them on actual mind meld Janeway. And it just it doesn't make any sense. Right. And I'm sorry, this is a nitpicky thing, but those two have completely different body types. There is no <laughs> way Janice Rand's uniform is going to fit Catherine Janeway. And I think they even did try a little bit. Like, it's obviously very big on her. But, I mean, you know, Janeway's a pretty small woman. And um, I that's, I don't know. When I watch Flashback, I, there's... Not a whole lot I have to say negatively about it overall. Like, it's an entertaining hour of TV. I love seeing Captain Sulu, which we're going to have to talk about much more later on. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, for the most part, it's not a bad episode. It's a pretty decent outing. And I know they really did try to do something pretty cool for the 30th anniversary. It just so happened that DS9 really, really had the good idea and pulled it off to such perfection that anything would have paled in comparison. So, but when I look at the small details, this is where I see Voyager falling short with flashback. It's the uniform not fitting quite right. It's, uh, I don't know if it bothers you guys, but it does bother me when, if an actor or a set of actors in this case, recreate a scene, like 
they did certain pieces of dialogue from Star Trek VI, and they don't execute My them. God. Yeah, it's not quite the same way. No. I want them to duplicate what they did and then add on to it. I don't want them to reinterpret the script. Yeah, that that happens in Back to the Future Part Two. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. You know, he goes, he like waves the, his hand in front of you know Doc and says like where or you know, and then one he waves it at the same time, one he doesn't, and then like Doc's reaction at one point, like he hams it up in the second one, like wait what? No, no, no. Yeah, it, it's it's annoying, especially like if you're watching them simultaneously or back to back or trying to do a fan edit of the two of them or something like sure. that. Sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, cause I'm, I'm, you know, as, as I'm sure we all are, I'm very familiar with Star Trek six. I know right. that movie, like the back of my hand and that's the very <laughs> oh, first scene in the freaking movie. Yeah. We're and, nerds. We've you know, seen it hundreds of times. Yeah. And I was watching this today for the first time, probably in, I'm going to say 10 to 15 years. Wow. And I'm like, wow, this this is what a director does, you know, and it's not even like because it's even the same, the same shots, the same actors, everything about it is the same. And yet, you know, whatever it was, you know, when you have like one of the best filmmakers of all time making your movie, I guess you get better performances out of people. You do. That's not a knock on part. David Livingston. I mean, come on, that guy, you know, he's a legend. He's great. But yeah. But, I mean, he's directed, what, more episodes of DS9 than anyone else in history, I think. But okay. I think one of those. But regardless of that, it's just it's like night and day. Yeah, it's I crazy. feel like they should have at least gone back and watched that scene in Star Trek Six, and then just said, OK, do that. Yeah, like, they, oh, come on. they, they These are say that actors. they had the laser disc. I mean, like, put it on and, <laughs> you know, laser like, disc. can we do this again? I mean, I'm sure, you know, I, I can't blame them for, you know, saying to the actors, like, you know, not not saying to the actors, I guess, do it exactly like this, because then you're just killing your performance, right? I mean, unless you're like William H. Macy or someone from the Mammoth School, it's like you're taking away all sort of spontaneity. You're taking away, like, the acting, right? Mm. I mean, no one gives the same performance twice. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get a good performance out of them, you can't like restrict them like that. But at the same time, they didn't get good performances out of them, right? I mean, they're like That's ham true. and cheese here. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I, you're, you're, I guess you're, yeah, you're right. Duplicating the performance wasn't exactly what I was thinking. It was just give me that same level at the very right. least. It, it may be like maybe they felt like it was because it was more of a because their acting seems more like tv acting when in the movie it, it seems more like movie acting and and maybe it was it maybe it was like a mind a mindset of well we're on the tv sound stage you know in the swing set area and you know maybe maybe it was just kind of a well you know we're on the tv show we've only got you know an hour to do this when i'm sure they had like a day to do that scene uh, that originally. could have been part of it. Maybe. I'm wondering how much of it is also like, you know, George Takei in Star Trek VI. He's like, yeah, I'm in Star Trek VI. This is awesome. You know, they got everyone back and I'm in it. And here he's like, I'm freaking George Takei in, you know, this ah, show for maybe. the 30th anniversary. And they asked I'm gonna, me I'm gonna, to be on this episode. Yeah, right. I'm going to channel my inner Shatner, which yeah. is really weird coming George from George Takei. Right. in... <laughs> 
flashback, <laughs> Star Trek you know. Voyager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the talk was just so hot at this point of the possibility of maybe wanting a Captain Sulu TV show. This idea had been kind of in the mix probably since Star Trek VI, maybe even a little bit before. I don't know. John Tenuto would probably know, wouldn't he? Yeah, probably. he would know the exact date that there was <laughs> he a, would. a you know, newspaper article. Yeah, you'll have to talk to him about that. But, <laughs> I mean, there was still talk in 1996 about maybe doing a Captain Sulu show. And so here was his chance. And I I don't think hamming it up did him any favors. And I yet I thoroughly did. enjoyed watching him. I still did. Yeah. I mean, besides from the, the recreations of the beginning of Star Trek VI, I mean, I really enjoy Sulu's part in it. Mm -hmm. He's got a lot of good speeches, like a few of them. Yeah, know, yeah. Talking to Tuvok and telling him how things are different and how, you know, he's going to have to... And don't tell me Vulcans don't have a sense of humor. It just mm -hmm. He's got all kinds of good lines of good stuff, but I don't know. Captain well, Sulu... We'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, what what do you guys think about the episode on the whole? Not not necessarily as a TOS episode, but just as an episode of Voyager or whatever, you know, just an episode of, of television. As an episode, fairly solid, a decent outing. Uh, had it not been compared so much to Trials and Tribulations as a part of the 30th anniversary celebration, like if it had just been an episode, we would have all been fanboying like crazy. Yeah. Even though it's not... The, the absolute greatest it was still a lot of fun that's my thought i honestly forget about it like uh even though i've seen it several times like it was part of that captain's collection captain's voyages or something that dvd collection so i you know i owned it for a time and so i watched it a few times it, you forget that it exists like when we were doing this you know tos and other series series i'm just like voyager does voyager have one <laughs> oh yeah, flashback. Oh yeah. It's not it I think that ever all the other series had a better way of bringing it about. You know, accidental time travel, uh, you know, Scotty teching the tech so that he can arrive in the future. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess Enterprise just kind of goes into the TOS universe for the mirror TOS universe just randomly. But they didn't need an excuse because they were just doing it. Because they were getting canceled and they knew it. Right. Yeah. And they were just like, F it. You want to cross over? <laughs> we're doing do what it. we want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got to agree. Yeah. I want. I mean, you, you hear about, you know, the thought process behind trials and tribulations and the, the studio or whoever going to them and saying, like, do you guys want to do something for the 30th anniversary? And Ira Stephen Bear saying, like, eh. Let me let me let me talk to the to the writing staff and see what they come up with. I, I wonder what the thought process was for Voyager. I wonder if it was like, yeah, we're doing this, you know, or what? I I don't know. I'm I'm curious, you know. Yeah. I think it's an interesting choice to get, you know, Brandon Braga to do it since he was sort of a I mean a self proclaimed non fan of TOS. Right. Yeah, it makes That's you wonder. Did he watch Star Trek Six before he? wrote this episode how much of it did he know going in i mean how much help did he get to <laughs> who knows i i liked reading that tim russ had a lot of input like brandon was just like i don't know why tuvok left starfleet and then came back so he like wrote something that was completely something a vulcan wouldn't do and tim russ is like no 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 
can I write something? And they're like, yeah, sure. And he writes like that whole page and a half thing about, you know, well, I tried to do Colinar and then Ponfar and then all these Vulcan terms that apparently Braga had no idea about. Yeah, but I guess he's good at time travel for the most part. So. Right. Yeah. And yeah. he didn't want to do it this this one time, the one time that Braga doesn't go to time travel. And we're kind of like, eh, I'd rather it be time travel. <laughs> so strange. But thematically, it's thematically it's similar to how he usually uses time travel you know it's about dealing with your past and, and all that stuff you know sort of like a, a chance to right some wrongs or whatever you know so it's kind of interesting in that imagine sense. if braga wrote some uh some quantum leap he would have uh, been all oh over boy. that show back in the day yeah. could you imagine yeah. the threshold episode of quantum leap oh that'd be great <laughs> So he just jumps into a lizard like immediately, and I don't know. <laughs> I I think you could totally trip out watching something like that. Like my 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 ugh, my mind is racing right now just thinking of the possibilities <laughs> of what could be happening in if a quantum leap had a threshold episode. Just wow, warp ten lizards, tongues coming mm. out. I mean, wow. The it one, one of quantum our, leap. I I want to see that. Me too. One of our our listeners, uh, Adam, was talking about. Uh, he, I think he was talking about like cause and effect or something like that with uh, someone else on Twitter, and and he says, "Oh man, that's a great episode. That's top shelf Braga," and I'm like. That needs to become a thing. What <laughs> top shelf Braga? Top that sounds shelf. like the most amazing thing ever. And I imagine that if Braga was writing Quantum Leap, that would be some top shelf Braga. I think know? it would be. It would be an instant classic, for better or for worse. If it was really good or really bad, it wouldn't matter. Because as Braga says, he likes the weird shit stuff, and he does yeah. it well. That's what he's good at. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so for sure. he for would sure. nail that for sure. But anyway, flashback. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I guess I guess my, my, my thoughts on flashback are it's not tremendously good. I don't know. I mean, like, because at, at the time, you know, like everyone else, I was just like, oh, my God, Sulu and Star Trek six. And look at their And that's how he got the T. And oh, that's cool. And, the, the, and, and uh, today I was looking at it much more sort of, uh, I guess, objectively. And and I'm like, yeah, it really is just kind of about like, um. Tuvok had like a repressed memory sort of thing, and he's dealing with it. Yeah. And then he deals with it, and then, and then that's it. There's that virus thing, too, which really lets me down at the end. Why couldn't it just have been about a memory? Yeah. Like, yeah. couldn't there have been some transference? Like, as Dimitri died, he somehow transferred a memory over to Tuvok, and then that's it? Is that, isn't that all we needed to know? What was the stupid thing with the virus? Yeah, the whole virus thing I have a lot of problems with. Like and it's then just dumb. It's in the it way. shows like all the way not all, obviously not every iteration, but all the way back to like a caveman letting a letting a girl <laughs> fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Would a caveman care if a girl fell? Would he repress well, that memory? I don't know. Maybe that was his maybe that was his like monolith moment or something, you know? Maybe. But then he would like want to remember it, right? I, I don't, don't know. know. Yeah. Yeah. But and then like what if the person's not around somebody else when they die and how does it get transferred? Like maybe I can understand like Tuvok getting it because you know he's he's telepathic and stuff. But just human to human, like this alien thing fell to earth at the dawn of man 
and has just been living amongst humans, jumping back and forth. Don't know. It's, yeah. it's odd. I don't think about it. I try not to, anyway. That and the fact that it it's, just... like, from Earth forever. Like, why couldn't it be, like, an alien thing that Dimitri picked up on Ryza or something? Right? I mean, yeah. It's, it's... like, mind <laughs> space maybe, maybe Maybe he got it, maybe he got it in, in Vegas at the, at the <laughs> yeah. time, you know? He got it at the 25th anniversary con, and he's had it ever since. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I like that. I don't know. All right, so so how about uh, looking at this from a, a TOS perspective? You know, I mean, it, it's it's interesting because we're kind of looking at, I mean, with all of these, I guess, we're kind of looking at TOS from the the outside in, you know, instead of the other way around. Um, but yeah, what, what what do you guys think about that? I see it as just a little bit of an extension of what we got to see in Star Trek VI, the missing scenes, if you will, Almost like if they had written them maybe in the novelization for Star Trek VI and then they decide to do, I don't know, or, or like a director's cut where they cut out these scenes and then you get the director's cut a few years later and see him later on. It sort of feels like that to me. For me, it feels kind of like the Star Wars expanded universe. Like it's kind of, you know, well, well, while Luke and Leia were doing this, you know, this guy that I made up was in the background doing this stuff. So it's kind of that same thing, like, like Tuvok bringing Sulu the tea, you know, it's just like, how'd the tea get there? It's kind of like answering the questions, just like the Star Wars expanded universe, answering the questions no one really had, but like, oh, how did this happen? It's like, ooh, how did the tea get there? Well, Tuvok brought it. But I really do like that, you know, it's Tuvok that brought it. And I like the the interactions between it. And uh, I, I'm, I'm, I mock it for being like an expanded universe story, but it, it it works out. It doesn't it doesn't step on the the continuity of of Voyager or Star Trek Six, except for the whole Dimitri. Except thing. for the whole Dimitri dying thing. <laughs> His twin brother, twin brother. Yeah. Now, did the twin brother die, or is is that the twin brother I- at the very end with no, Captain no. Sulu? Like they were, right. It's the twin okay. brother at the end. Okay. Just, he happened to be on the ship. Okay. It was like just panic his ship the now. people on the Enterprise. Like, what happened to the other guy? Well, he died. Well, that's disappointing. What did he die from? Oh, we were attacked. You were attacked. What? Because they and never mentioned that brother, either. And his twin brother is in mourning, you know, but Sulu's like, quick, we need someone to stand here so that this shot is balanced. <laughs> right? Yeah. Just keep it together for five minutes. Yeah. Just smile. Just smile. You know, that's okay, it. Okay. That's Maybe in my head. Maybe he's a transporter clone. Maybe he's like Thomas Riker. Ooh. Maybe. Maybe, maybe they were maybe just like, like, well, you know, we've had his pattern in the buffer for a while. You know, we we said we <laughs> wouldn't do this because it's unethical. You know, we we you know we've we Kirk did that whole thing where he split into two people and that wasn't right. And you know, but ha- all to hell robot. with it, he's dead. And we need yeah, him. Maybe he's a robot, <gasps> or maybe he's from uh, the mirror universe or something like that. You know, I mean. I guess there's plenty of opportunities. There's plenty of... To... You'd think that Tuvok... Well, I mean, maybe that's stuff even Tuvok keeps repressed. And then on our way to the peace treaty, we stumbled into the alternate universe and picked up a new <laughs> What <Dimitri>. happened? <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe in the uh, director's director's cut of, of Star Trek VI, they'll take him out and replace him with Tuvok. Yeah. <laughs> it makes go. sense. Yeah. I'll do that in my fan edit of six. What I like 
uh, about this is like in our Relics episode with Earl Grey, we were talking about how uh, maybe all the TNG characters had watched TOS, and that's why they didn't really care about Scotty. I like that Janeway never watched TOS. Because she asked, she's just like, I know nothing about this. What peace treaty? What What are you talking about? And then at the end, she's like, so did you guys, did what happened to Kirk and McCoy? Did they die? It's like, what? She at least knows who Kirk and McCoy and Spock are. Right, because Tuvok was talking about it, but then she asks, like, so did they get out of prison? No, they're still there. What do you mean to get out of prison? <laughs> yeah, it's weird because it seems like she knows about him because she's like, oh, Captain Kirk, Captain Sulu, you know? Yeah, and yeah. she's like, Maybe I'd love to ride shotgun where... with those guys sometime. Right. And it's like, yeah. she admires them, but she also... She doesn't so know Jack So it's kind of like, not that she... She didn't really watch TOS. She watched some TOS, but she didn't like watch it religiously, didn't memorize the episodes. Yeah. Like, well, she like had a Tuvok few reruns while she was in college, and that was about exactly. it. Exactly. And she's just like, those guys seem like cool people. I want to yeah. ride with them. And she was such an overachiever at Starfleet Academy. She didn't have that much time for TV, so she couldn't catch each one. Yeah, and she didn't go to see the movies. Nah. And, uh, or maybe the movies haven't been made yet. That's another possibility. Ah, but the TNG she, people seem to have seen the movies, except for Generations. So. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. That one. And and they definitely, or she definitely didn't watch the animated series. <laughs> well, that's a cartoon, and that's just childish. And forget that. I don't yeah. think any of the characters yeah. have watched the animated series. Nah, I don't know, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like to me, uh, that that I definitely can see what you're talking about, Drew, in terms of the uh, the um you know, expanded universe type of stuff. And, you know, that's, it can be problematic. I think they do a pretty good job of, of weaving it in. Um, but I also think, um, I mean, you know, because it's, it's one of those things where they're walking a very fine line where you, you need to, you know, sort of hit these touchstones, right. But you also need to figure out a way to tell your story. And I think that they did a pretty good job of, of that balancing act. Um, on the whole, I, I mean, I guess it, I guess it works, but I think what's, what's actually more interesting is, uh, the, the stuff where they're not, where they're just talking about that time period and, and, and Janeway's talking about the differences between, you know, what the crews were like on the original series and, and how they performed and everything like that and, and what it's like in the next gen era. And, you know, that speaks to the differences obviously between, the philosophies of the creators of the original series versus next gen, you know, or at least Roddenberry's philosophies as he's getting older. So I thought that was kind of cool where she's like, all of those people would be kicked out now, but you know, mm -hmm. back then it was crazy. It was weird. You know, they could only go warp five. What is, what's up with that? That's so, <laughs> yeah. you know, so I thought that, I thought that that was kind of an interesting um, uh, observation on the part of the, the filmmakers and, and stuff yeah especially coming from Janeway too where she starts off in Voyager so attached to Starfleet and the Prime Directive and following all the rules and regulations and then of course as the show goes on she is loosening up a little bit and so she of all people who eventually ends up bending the Prime Directive a lot is kind of interesting and I'm saying that of course yeah. in hindsight because she hadn't done too much at this point, I don't think. But to know what happens later, maybe she took some inspiration. Yeah, and this is only season three. The second episode of season three. Right. So, 
which was yeah, actually supposed very... to be at the end of season two. I read that's weird. Uh, well, I think they they I, I don't know if they held it, but they definitely filmed it as a part of season two. Because, like, you know how there were some episodes in season one who were held to air with season two? Well, they did the same thing with season two, and some aired in season three. Weird. Yeah. Yeah, there was like three or four of them that did that. Yeah, it was all messed up. I don't, I know. don't know why they did that so exactly, but they did. So, okay. Now, obviously, you look at this, and, and it's kind of cool in that, you know, the way that they chose to honor the original series was not by going back to the enterprise or anything like that, but by going back to the Excelsior and taking a look at this little sort of side element of the original series and the idea of, you know, captain Sulu and the starship Excelsior and whether or not that was a real thing or could be a real thing or, or its own show or whatever. So like we were saying forever, people have been talking about, the possibility of an Excelsior show and uh, what what do you guys think that would have been like or what do you think it would be like if it were done today oh if it were done today boy I don't know George Takei's a little busy on Broadway <laughs> oh John Cho John uh, well Cho. yeah it's true you could do the new Star Trek Excelsior show with John Cho now that would be <laughs> kind of interesting that that's going to be the be title the too <laughs> the new yeah. Star Trek Excelsior show with John Cho. Yay! Yay! It sounds like the late show. Oh, that'd be it awesome. Would. Yeah. I don't know. I was all about the original, you know, with having George Takei on for a Star Trek Excelsior show back in the day. What did you guys think of it at the time? Well, I remember, you know, I was one of the people who was suggesting that back then, you know, and I guess with when you don't have the internet and it's just you and your friends talking, you think you have the most original ideas in the world. And I'm like, they could do a show about the Excelsior. Mm -hmm. And then you hear George Takei saying, like, I would love to do a show about the Excelsior. It's like, really? That was my idea. And it's like, well, that was everyone's idea. <laughs> right. Of course. Yeah, everybody had you know? that idea. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was, but I wanted to see that. I mean, when I was a kid, Sulu was like my favorite character for some reason. Okay. I don't really know why. Um, and the fencing, yes. Fencing, yeah, I guess that's what it is. I mean, part of it, I think a lot of it was that scene in Star Trek Three where he's like, don't call me tiny. You know, and then seeing you know, him yeah. on, on the bridge of his own ship. It, it was just, it was a certain attitude that he had. And I, I thought it was cool. And he was a little, you know, off-centered. You know, he wasn't like one of the big three, you know. So he kind of had his own niche sort of thing. And I guess that appealed to me, you know, in the same way that like Boba Fett appeals to a lot of people, you know. Mm -hmm. He was the Boba Fett of Star Trek. Um, so <laughs> I love that you, you know, mentioned this scene in Star Trek Three because that is the scene where I fell in love with Sulu as a fellow short person. The the, the <laughs> tiny people getting their revenge. <laughs> I was all about that. I'm like, you go, Sulu. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh -huh. cool. You know. So, yeah, I was super excited about the idea of that. I didn't think it would ever happen in a million years, and it didn't. No. Nope. But. I thought it, I thought it would have been really cool if it did, and it was cool to get this little taste of it, and to see you know like kind of like what we were talking about earlier, where they're bringing everyone back, and it's like, well, that's that's cool because you you don't expect them to get everyone back. Mm. You expect them to kind of half-ass it, and it's like, well, yeah, Grace Lee Whitney could come back, but we're not going to get that Russian guy, you know? <laughs> right. He's back in Russia, you know. <laughs> what do you want us to do? You know, I mean, just, I mean, for, I guess for the same reason they couldn't get Christian Slater back. You just think, how could they possibly put all of these pieces back together? 
But you think about it, and it's like it was only five years, you know? Right. All those people are still probably hanging around, so why not get them all back? It's cool. Yeah, yeah. Everybody but Christian Slater. <laughs> yes. So disappointing. For sure, for sure. <laughs> now, I mean... Well, I well, what 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 did you think, Drew? Uh, I I don't I didn't really have an opinion back in the day, back in like '96 or whenever this episode came out. But uh, I mean, thinking back on it, I do wish that we had that. I wish it like in '97 they'd given him. I, I I like in today's society where we've got you know Netflix miniseries and all that kind of stuff. It'd be cool if miniseries were more more utilized back then it'd be cool to have you know mm-hmm. like in 97 to have you know a little short mini series of you know one big adventure or a few small adventures you know two or three part adventures of captain sulu now you know takei i'm sure takei would still be up for it but i don't think that's a good idea i don't and think it'll happen no it wouldn't just like Captain Worf isn't going to happen. I'm sorry, Michael. Yeah. It's not going to work. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I know he's really hanging on to that idea, but it's just He's not the happening. only it's one. Sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah. I know he wants no, work, I, I, but come on, dude. Let it go. I don't think he's the only one. I think there's a lot of people who are in love with the he Prime should universe. He be the only one. They can come up with a better idea than... Let's bring Worf. That's back. just it. There's there are much better ideas for the Prime Universe. You could have Captain LaForge even, and I feel like that would be more successful than Captain Worf. Sorry, Michael Dorn. We know plenty about Worf. We know about his childhood. We know about his adopted parents, his real parents, his family, his family name, his kid, and everything. What do we know about LaForge? He likes he likes you know scientist girls. He's a, he's lousy. And dater. he's a jerk. Right. And he's, and, a jerk. and he's a jerk to Scotty. Yeah. And everyone else. And he likes PowerPoints. As he was described in, Relic, in our Relics episode, a world-class a-hole. Yeah. Which was almost the go. title, but with a picture of Scotty, I figured that'd be a bad idea. Uh, that would have done a disservice yeah. to Scotty. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, you know, it's... it's. I, I mean, today, it's a completely different ball game, and the idea of there being an Excelsior show, as we've talked about, very frequently with John Cho is, uh, I think, not too far outside the realm of possibility, honestly. And, you know, I think that if if that were to happen, it would take a lot of its cues from this episode right here, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think that that could be cool. I mean, am I mistaken in thinking, because, you know, she's presented as sort of like the communications officer in Star Trek VI, but here, you know, Tuvok comes up and he's like, uh, you know, Sulu, you're breaking the rules. And then it's it's uh, Rand who's like, I'm sorry, Sulu. Yeah, I, she seems you know, to be responsible for the Ensigns. Right. And she he's, he's a junior science officer. She's not. So is she first officer on the ship? I don't know if she's first officer. She could have been. That was never defined. Yeah. I just saw it more as just maybe like a shift leader or... She's in charge of this department, and he's, she's her, or she's Tuvok's superior. Yeah, Rand is but the she's shift also a manager. commander. Yeah, she's also a commander. At she this certainly point, could have right? been. Yeah, and she was. I'm going to say she was a first officer. 
Because why not? Why not indeed? If we're gonna, if we're gonna, in 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 my head canon, she's first. Okay. Officer. There's nobody she else on the bridge that seems to be filling that role. Exactly. No. So, with standard, she's reason. the XO. Yeah. Yeah. Go Rand. So I don't know. I uh, you know I I think that that there is there is a cool idea for a show there. I have to agree with you. I hope yeah. It I'm afraid George Takei's time has passed, and I would love to see whether it's like a, a maybe a 13 episode season or a mini series of Star Trek Excelsior with John Cho. I Hell think yeah. that would be fantastic. I think it would be a great thing to give us some new Trek on TV for one thing, which we are all dying for, but then also to give just a little more credibility to the Abrams verse. It's not just movies; it's also this and. You can do yet another take on it if you really want to and give us some new TV because we just want it. Yep. Yep. It's a great way of sort of capturing that that feel, you know, and, and tying it into that universe, you know, very directly without, you know, the impossible dream of getting all of those people back to do a weekly television show. Sure. You know. So do you suppose so. in the Abrams verse, Captain Sulu becomes a captain much earlier since Kirk also became a captain much earlier? Yeah, I'm assuming that. So in the timeline, right? where would you place a Captain Sulu series? Probably place it a year after Star Trek Beyond. And, you know, if you're going to fudge Chekhov's age, you might as well fudge Tuvok's age and stick him on there as science officer, right? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Even more crossover. So let's, let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying to put Tim Russ on there, just character crossover. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm afraid Tim I, Russ would look a little old in the Abrams you could have, verse. You could have the flash. You could have the flash forward episode oh. where Tim Russ ah. uh, shows up as old Tuvok. There you go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If if they were going to take anything, if a new show is going to take anything from this particular episode, I want everything on the Excelsior to be over dramatic, like. Is we got that steam vent that's like blowing down for the only reason is so that Sulu can walk dramatically through it. And then he, you know, (laughs) after the the commercial break, immediately says, Turn that off. Like, why did I even walk through that? (laughs) Like, so, so it needs to like have more dramatic lighting. Like, like maybe, uh, you know, they like, they like lighting in the JJ verse. Maybe something like the, uh, the, what is it? The weakest link. How the weakest link had all those dramatic lights. <laughs> like every time that he says spotlight. something, the spotlights just all turn from the back and focus in on him. Wow. And... I'm just imagining it now. All those spotlights center in on John Cho and he goes, my God. <laughs> he could do that and then takes a sip of his tea. That, I would pay real money for that. Every Network episode, yep. every <laughs> episode, a teacup breaks. Yeah, that's their thing. It's sort of like the yeah. killing Kenny. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The and finally, yeah. and like we get through an entire episode, and it's 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 like in cause and effect when when Crusher's really excited that she didn't break the glass, and then she breaks the glass on the way out of the room. So it's like on the way out of the episode, they're like, you know, Sulu's like finally gets his tea, and like he just drops it, or you know, somebody bumps into him, or it just shatters in his hand. My yep. God! <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> we should just write this for them. Let's do that. 
Yeah. <laughs> We've got great ideas. It's gold. It's gold. It is. Oh. Well, any 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 final thoughts on on flashback? Usually when we discuss an episode that I've come into with uh with with some kind of uh you know not good feeling about i feel better about it at the end i don't i i think my opinion of the mediocrity hasn't really changed um but i mean it's worth it's worth watching uh you do that that kind of it's the only kind of canon original series expanded universe that we get you know the kind of behind the scenes what happened here you know uh the fact that the excelsior uh, that Sulu breaks the rules like a dozen times during Star Trek Six, and we only see like two of them, where he, <laughs> you know, he's like they're in Praxis, you know, he doesn't know that the Enterprise is rescuing, mounting their own rescue mission, and reading Klingon, uh, you know, books, uh, physical books yeah, for that. some reason. Uh, so he's coming in from the other side, and so there's all kinds of, uh, uh, I I like that. I like that it does add some more missions to to captain sulu instead of just you know i'm captain of the excelsior now and i'm gonna be over here and then i'm gonna come in at the last second it'll be great <laughs> the, the one thing that i i forgot about you know in, in in this discussion which i thought was actually pretty cool in terms of that sort of like expanding you know on what we've seen before is bringing in um kang from oh, yeah. uh from we didn't even from mention the kang. original series yeah, he had a cameo and it's like it's like, oh, that's cool because like he was on the thing and and everything, and also it's like, well, it it ties the original series into what's going in in Star Trek Six because it's all about the Klingons, you know, mm-hmm. the Klingons, and they're all new Klingons, and, and then and they're all new Klingons. And then it's like, well, here's an old Klingon, and he's you know dealing with Sulu, and Sulu's like, I got the old Klingons, you know, I I'm dealing with them. So you know, I like that. I like that little bit. That was a, a nice little touch. And it, it was another nod to the original series, and it tied everything in together just a bit closer. And I thought that that was that was nice. Yeah, I have to agree with a lot of what you both have said. I loved uh, the the Klingon tie-in, but I also loved the missing scenes of what else happened on the Excelsior. I like seeing Captain Sulu in action, and uh, even though it was a little cheesy, it was still fun to watch George Takei ham it up a little bit and to see Grace Lee Whitney again, and especially this year because she passed. This is uh, an awesome tribute. It's still a very average episode, though, of Star Trek overall. So I enjoy it for what it is, but it's not a favorite. It's really not. Yeah, I agree. Well, thanks for joining us, Char. Uh, it's been a pleasure and you know we got the, the we got the three three of these of these things down now and what one to go right. one right? more to go how, how many star trek series are there so so yeah so so where can people find you elsewhere on the network and off well you can find me around uh, trek fm occasionally co-hosting the ready room with chris jones but you can find me every thursday with co-host tristan riddell for to the journey to the journey to the journey Woo! And we talk all things Voyager, and we fairly recently did a commentary for the episode Flashback. So if you want more Flashback and you haven't heard that episode, give that a listen. You can Flashback on There the you go. You can Flashback your Flashback. The... That's right. Yeah. And then you can also hit me up on the old Twitter and uh, talk to me if you really want to. My handle is O oh, the Profanity. Excellent. Thank you very much for joining us. 
And uh, yeah, be sure to check out To The Journey. I don't know who I'm Everyone listens to To The Journey, right? I mean, we're We've not, been accused yeah. of being but, the uh, gateway <laughs> Trek FM podcast. We get them started and yeah. then other podcasts hook them in for, for good. <laughs> and I, I can totally there live with that. Definitely. It's a good honor. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yes, yes, for sure. Yeah. So, all right. Well, thanks. Thanks again. And yeah, we'll talk right, to you soon. All right. Thanks, you guys. It was fun. Well, that was fun talking with Char today about flashback. But that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. So here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere around the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. Is there that awkward part like near the end where he's like walking back to his shuttle like, so will this take me back or? <laughs> <laughs> you said it wasn't very fast. Can I go fast enough to slingshot around the sun? Then? Can we slingshot the Dyson Sphere? Because that's basically a sun. Earl Grey. And really, she's following the Hasbrat, I think, is really what it is. <laughs> Come for the revolution, stay for the Hasbrat. It's got to be fresh Hasbrat. None of that replicates. Stuff. Like, Daniel's, like, at the watching the end of this episode, like, tears are coming down the face. It's like, no, oh, it's the Hasbrat. It's so spicy. It's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> the Orb. Well, apparently, and did you find this interesting, Matthew? Apparently... The Navark reports directly to the prophets. Which is awkward because they don't always show up for meetings, so... Right. Yeah. Plus, you never know what time the meeting is really going to be, right? That is true. It could have been yesterday, and you might have missed it. The Ready Room. Do you think this episode would have been so popular and remain a fan favorite if the Enterprise had been overrun with zebra mussels? <laughs> <laughs> to the journey! The crew attempts to rescue three aliens in stasis from a bizarre program based on fear. Like all fear, you eventually vanish. Warp 5. It kind of like is akin to um, when fans saw the Galaxy class in the next generation for the very first time. And you had a, basically a crew and civilian complement of what, over a thousand people? About two-thirds of that complement were civilians and their families. So you actually did have teachers and scholars and scientists and their extended families on board. Commentary, Trek stars. One of the things that amazes me about the score for Star Trek The Motion Picture is that he, he only had 50% of the movie available to him when he scored. So he, he was scoring an awful lot to scene missing, scene missing. The 602 Club. Where did he get the cloak from on the other planet? I really, really, really want to know. He shows up uh, with a he, cloak. He, he, he kind of fashioned it out of out of a rudimentary lane. Uh. <laughs> Literary treks. It's a small point, but I thought it was really interesting to have here in the book because, again, that's what Star Trek Deep Space Nine has really always done for Star Trek, which is kind of make faith okay in the Star Trek universe and show how it's valid. And so I thought that was a really nice, uh, and it, again, it's a it's a tiny point in the book, but I thought it was pretty powerful, at least for me, who is somebody who is a faith. So. Mm -hmm. Axanar, the official podcast. It is the spirit of TOS that matters that's being captured, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the aesthetic. The aesthetic was 1966 to 1969 that had its moment, it had its time, and there's a certain amount of charm still to that, but it doesn't allow you to push the narrative forward because that type of aesthetic 
holds creativity back, in my opinion. Women at Warp. And we have her to thank for the fact that Deanna Troy only has two breasts. Yes, thank you. Thank you, DC Fontana, for sparing us from a three-breasted Troy. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You find them on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, or you can just stream from the website. Visit Trek.fm slash podcast to get all the links. Mike, we have some feedback. And this is from Nicholas in Santa Monica, California. Hey guys, I love listening to your episodes and they really get me through LA traffic on a positive note. That's good. At least we could bring something to what I understand to be the devil. Yeah. Right. No, no, no. Not, not, not enjoyment you, to you, the devil. The, the traffic, LA traffic is the, the traffic. devil. <laughs> hey, the devil's a good Calling guy. Calling our listeners I have the seen devil. enough TAS to know that. I've seen that episode twice. Uh, anyway, Nicholas says, I have something I wanted to share regarding the upcoming film. Now, as we all know, we lost Leonard Nimoy this year. Do you think it would be a good idea for the film to acknowledge that by telling us Spock Prime passed away? I personally don't think that would be a good idea. We've lost Leonard in the real world. Let's just leave the character of Spock be. Let me know your thoughts and keep up the great work. Thank you, Nicholas. And I have to agree. Yes. It's like this thing. Okay, like um, when 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 Heath Ledger died uh during post-production on dark knight right the question of course became like well what do you do with the joker in dark knight rises and christopher nolan's take was um heath ledger dying left a profound impact on the world and on christopher nolan in in particular and the idea of sort of cheapening heath ledger's real world death by coming up with a fake explanation for why he's not in Dark Knight Rises is just sort of, like, unthinkable. So what he decided to do with Dark Knight Rises, and this is, I mean, you you can watch the movie and see that this is totally the case, is they don't mention the Joker at all. They don't acknowledge the Joker's existence. They talk about Harvey Dent, you know, till till the cows come home, or whatever happens in Gotham, but they don't mention the Joker at all. And that was very deliberate. And I think that, you know, a similar thing, a similar, uh, you know, uh, uh, thing should be done in Star Trek Beyond. I mean, of course, you know, they're going to dedicate the film to Leonard Nimoy and all that stuff as as they should, but not in universe. Don't talk about Prime Spock in universe, you know? Yeah. I'd, I'd rather think of him out there still patrolling the galaxy helping to repopulate the vulcan people helping to repopulate the vulcan people huh uh-huh all right uh-huh yeah spock prime getting it on right yeah all right i like to think of that too so yes thanks for writing in nicholas and believe it or not mike we also got a voicemail what just like we've been asking for for since the beginning here on episode 97 we're going to play a voicemail from a listener. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure Trekstar still has the record for most voicemails ever. Really? Yeah, I think we got three. Wow, I so, didn't know that. So now with, with this, I think, I'm not positive, but I think that maybe, like as far as hosts are, conter- are concerned, I hold the record with four. 
<laughs> but seriously, why aren't people sending us voicemail on like a weekly basis? Yeah, I mean, it just seems it seems like a cool idea. It seems like the easiest way to tell us what we're doing wrong. Because you can you yell to, at us. You could literally you to, yell at us. You could be like, what's wrong with you people? Have you not seen the original <laughs> series? I don't understand. <laughs> Click. Anyway, we got a nice voicemail. Oh, cool. From a kind listener. Oh, all right. Cool. And so uh, this is Nathan, and he had to say the following. Hi, guys. Just found the show. I've uh, been um, binge listening to it while doing uh, some home renovations. So thanks very much for your work. Um, Commenting about episode 18 on the animated series, uh, one of you guys was saying how um, they would never release uh, DVDs of these uh, animated series. And, you know, this show was made on uh, February 9th in 2014. Uh, so, and you mentioned that, you know, you can find it on Netflix now, but they actually did release DVDs. Uh, and I was the proud owner of those DVDs, uh, bought those for my son uh, as soon as I saw them come out. They were really great. Uh, they had... Uh, Okuda text commentaries on them and some special features. So it actually was quite interesting. Uh, if you weren't already aware that those existed, it uh, might be worth picking up just for those uh, those Okuda extras that were on there. But uh, anyway, looking forward to uh, continuing on and catching up in real time here in about uh, 100 episodes. So thanks a lot. Have a good day. Well, thank you, Nathan. Um, and thank you for, for listening and getting caught up. I, I'm, I'm assuming that you'll hear this like uh, maybe, you know, couple of years after after we post it right no you're going pretty quickly right a couple I, days I maybe, maybe you'll be caught up are you gonna be caught Ooh, up maybe he'll be caught up by this episode yeah um but if you are caught well regardless of when you hear this response yeah no i i totally know the dvd set that you're talking about i've got it right up there on on my shelf in between my uh star trek TOS Season 3 Blu-ray and my Star Trek The Motion Picture Director's Edition DVD. Um, I think what I was saying, if I recall, and I know it's been a while, but I think what I was saying, and by by now you probably know that I tend to be sarcastic, but I think what I was saying was I bought the Laserdisc box set because I knew that they would never release the animated series on DVD. You see, but you, see what, you see, you see what I did there, Nathan. Yes. And then they did, and I'm like, "What? Why Maybe do I have this laserdisc the... set here?" Right? Maybe Nathan is reading the transcripts of our shows because I've been so. doing transcripts, and I forgot to put a sarcasm tag around. Oh, I don't okay. Know. So it's your fault. Okay, I, I gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Yes, but no, yes, yes. Thank you for pointing that out, though, because uh, because it is um, important, and we should point out that another listener pointed out, even though we were highly skeptical of this, that the animated series is actually now in HD on Netflix, and it actually does look like it is really HD and not just fake HD like Netflix does occasionally. So um, get the DVD set, like Nathan's saying, for the text commentaries and whatnot, but when you're just doing your your animated series rewatch or first time watch drew um watch them on netflix for sure or later yeah i didn't know that they had i didn't know they actually put any effort into it and actually had like text commentaries and stuff so that's kind of cool yeah yeah it's cool stuff cool stuff and the box is really cool it does because cool. it's like the fake like the little square jewel case things where with the tape going down the side which is like mm -hmm. the cheapest thing imaginable 
that they did for the DVDs, the other DVD sets. It's that, but it's inside this like clamshell case thing. And then the, the, the book goes on, on the front of it and it's like the Delta shield and it's like an orange Delta shield on like a white background or something like that. But when you close the clamshell, it's actually got like a, a orange window. So you see the Delta shield inside the thing and, it's whatever it's cool cool well thanks everybody for for writing in and, and calling in uh yeah. if you'd like to share your thoughts also you can go to trek out of him slash contact there's a form there choose send a show and choose standard orbit that'll come to both of us by email you can also use the uh, button like nathan did and uh send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone or you can talk to us and our other listeners at the facebook group the Babel Conference. In social media, you'll find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trekfm and on Twitter under username trekfm. Mike, where can people find you out of orbit? Uh, you can find me here on Trek FM doing commentary, Trek Stars, uh, with um, John uh, currently. Um, where we're in the middle of a Michael Pillar series, and uh, if it, this week we, we had uh, Eric Stillwell on as a guest to talk about Michael Pillar's work on The Dead Zone. So, uh, yeah, be sure to check that out. And you can also find me on CommentaryTrackStars.com, where uh, I do audio commentaries for all sorts of things. And you can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K. And you can find me on Twitter at 005, D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E, and on various other places around the network and the internet at large. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who helps us bring Standard Orbit to you each week, and our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible's the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive and Federation, Audible has something for everyone. Mike, what do you have for everyone? Well, I've got a book, uh, you know, we could go with one of those Sulu books, right? Or we could go with the book that I actually just got off of Audible, um, which I haven't listened to, but from what I understand you have or are or something or reading or I don't know. It's called Star Wars Aftermath, or as Audible has it listed, Aftermath Star Wars. Uh, written no, by Ch Aftermath, the, yeah, uh, Amazon puts them all backwards. But okay. I, I'm pretty sure that it also has it listed as Aftermath, Star Wars, Journey to Star Wars, The Force Awakens. It's a really yeah. long title. It, you can, you can, it's find it on Audible. It's by uh, Chuck Wendig, right? Yes. And have you finished reading this thing yes. yet? Okay. So what is it? Spoiler free, but what is it? It's, okay. This would be good because all the, all the descriptions are really vague. Like the thing that you were probably about to read is really vague. It's a story about other people in the Star Wars universe, people you've never heard of, being heroic, you know? It, not every story has to be about, you know, Luke Skywalker saving the galaxy. You know, this is about, you know, four or five people teaming up, you know, unlikely allies, uh, teaming up to fight, you know, the remnants of the Empire that just happen to be closest to them. Is one of them Wedge? Wedge is in it. All right. That's cool. There's some Wedge. Wedge wedged himself into the story pretty well. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. 
Um, and, and you think it's good? I think it's pretty good. If you go into it expecting what I described and not, you know, this is what happens to the rebellion after the destruction of the second Death Star. I mean, it is, but it's more about what happens to the rest of the galaxy. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of really cool interstitials, like, between the chapters that are just, like, here's what happened. Here's a random person on a random other planet and what the destruction of the Death Star and the fall of the Empire means to them. Yeah, like, this is what happened to Weakway, for example. Yeah. Like, this is what happened to Forlom. Yeah. There is, but the only ones like that is, like, it, there is a here's what happened to Dengar, but that's there is yeah. Did did they uh, for the audible version? Did they get Simon Pegg to do the voice? I think that it's just the one guy reading it, but uh, the characterization uh-huh. of like the the you know he says like bugger and bloody, and so I, I do think that that Wendig wrote it with Simon Pegg's voice in his mind. So Excellent. it's it's pretty great. Excellent. Okay, well I'm looking forward to reading this book. And uh, listening to this book, uh, I just got, I have like two, uh, literally two more comics to read first. I have this, the, 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 the last Kanan comic and then the, the uh, Star Wars number seven where old Ben is running around. I'm sorry, middle-aged Ben is running <laughs> around doing his thing in between the movies, yeah. in between the trilogies. That's a good so uh, I'm going to read those two things and then I'm going to listen to Aftermath and I'm going to get Aftermath off of audible.com uh and if i were a new subscriber i'd be getting it for free how's uh, that well because i listen to trek fm that's right <laughs> as a trek fm listener you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial just to see how great audible is so give it a try today catch up on all those classic star trek books you've yet to read and that latest novel from your favorite author as well just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. Yeah, see, we're telling you to get it for free. We like it so much that we pay for this stuff. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm going to get that Lost Stars book after this one. Oh, yeah. That'd be an yeah. interesting audiobook. Yeah, yeah. I need see. to read that. I'm going to read New Dawn next, but that's not important right now. Oh, yeah. New Dawn's good. We can make this oh. the Audible show if you want. And in in uh, Aftermath, the main Imperial character is in a New Dawn, I hear. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, New Dawn's good. Check it out. I, I am. I will. I just said I was. And then... And Are you then, telling and them? Then, well, whatever. And then you can read... Well, you could read the Kanan comics before that if you want. And then you got you got to watch Rebels and be all set for the premiere in October. Yes, that's the plan. You, fin- you finished for me. Clone Wars? Not yet. Okay, you need. I'm to trying it. not to watch it because then I'll watch it and then watch Rebels and then not watch TAS. Oh yeah, watch doing TAS this for first. the show. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we'd like to thank Richard Rutledge Jr. and Renee Roberts for being our associate producers this week on our Star Trek podcast. Yeah, thanks, guys. By supporting us on Patreon. So you can find Richard on Twitter at RUT8972 and Renee at MRES underscore 1701. Mm-hmm. Thanks. And lastly, uh, you can join them, keeping us in orbit, by also supporting us on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash trekfm, you'll find a list of donation levels where you can get things like exclusive digital goodies, 
early access to episodes, access to our project manager, and even be listed as associate producer for our shows. You'll find out where the donations can go, things like covering the monthly cost of hosting and distribution, hiring an editor for our shows, and upgrading our equipment. Again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm, so check it out. Yeah. Well, that was fun. It was fun talking with Char. It was fun talking Star Wars. It's always fun talking Star Wars. We did some listener mail. Yeah. What? And we know what we're doing next week, so we'll plug that too. Okay. What are we doing next week? Next week, we're doing the most recent Star Trek ongoing comic retelling of an episode, The Tholian Webs, which is fairly new. Like, like uh, I guess like six months old. It's the last. It's the last full story that they have. Oh well, then fairly new. So I, be... need, I need to get caught up. Yeah. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landrew. Mister Chekhov, take us out of orbit ahead. Walk factor one. Hi, sir.